we continue with the all-important question, what do we know about the essential moral character of God from the Bible? And we have taken as our essential text, God is love, 1 John 4, 8. Moral character is essentially moral action, not some fixed constitution back of moral action. It must be a voluntary choice of a virtuous end by a free moral being. When the scriptures affirm that God is love, it is setting forth the concept that God has made choice and continues to make choice to conform all his actions toward all beings to the great law of truth and righteousness which resides in his nature. This results in absolute impartiality toward all. Love is therefore a good willing, a benevolent purpose toward all, and not an emotion, although tenderness and emotion flows forth. In our third consideration, we ask, what are some of the biblical assertions of the purposeful love and goodness of God? Which disposition of will is the essence of moral character? First of all, all the members of the Trinity are said to be possessed of this disposition of love. The love of God the Father is the source of all true love in the world. We read in 1 John chapter 4 and verses 7 and 8 the following, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And in verse 16, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. In 1 John 2.15, we read, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And in Romans 5.5, 5, we read that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, who is given to us a great climactic sudden action. And then in Romans 8, verses 38 and 9. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here the apostle uh, says that the love of God is the great precious center of interest in the universe for him. And he was determined to live for the glory of the great God that he had come to love. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Here we are told of the title, the God of love and peace. And in verse 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost 
be with you all. Amen. We also read about the love of Christ. First of all, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So here we have the love of Christ, which was the great motivating force of Paul's life. Also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. The love of Christ constraineth us. What a great profound force in the universe. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19, Paul is comprehending by the enlightenment of the Spirit some portion of the great love of Christ. And he says, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. So the love of Christ passeth knowledge. Our blessed Lord talked to his disciples about continuing in his love, and so they should be his disciples indeed, he said in John 15, 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in the second epistle, chapter 1 and 13, about the faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. And so the love of Christ is a great tender moving force in the world and in the universe. Romans 15:30 tells us about the love of the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Holy Trinity. Verse 30, now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Then in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, we read about the agency of the Holy Spirit in pouring forth the love of God within the hearts of the Christians. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. And so, according to the promise of Jesus, the Holy Spirit should be the agent of the Godhead in pouring forth the great bounty of the love of God. Then in the fifth chapter of Galatians, we read about the fruit of the Spirit, which the Holy Spirit pours forth in the true and honest and humble Christian. Chapter 5, verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So we see that the love that is a perfect benevolence, a perfect intention, a perfect good willing toward all, is declared concerning all the members of the Holy Trinity. What a glorious foundation this is for the whole existence of the universe and particularly of moral beings. What we find in the second place, 
that this disposition of love prevails among the members of the Trinity toward one another and has always been so. What a profound thing to think about. The great holy members of the Trinity in their great exercise of love and tenderness toward one another as the foundation stone of all their activity. In John chapter 3 and verse 35, we have this declaration concerning the Father. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. So the Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. As we read in the 15th chapter of John, verse 9, just a moment ago, we have it again declared that the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. But more particularly, in the 17th chapter of John, our blessed Lord is offering his great high priestly prayer. And there in verse 24 and verse 26, we have a tender declaration of the inner functioning of the Godhead. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. So here we have the declaration of the existence of love among the members of the Trinity throughout all ages past. And then in John chapter 10 and verse 17, we read that because of the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ, a special love has been manifested unto him. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. In the third grouping of Scripture, we find that the loving disposition of God was the mainspring of redemption. To read a few passages from the Old Testament, in Psalm 11, verse 7, For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. The righteous Lord loveth righteousness, we are told. And then in Deuteronomy, chapter 7, and verse 8, we read concerning God's tender care of the nation Israel to fulfill his great purpose of redemption. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he hath sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And so the Lord loved Israel out of his great purposeful heart of love. In Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3 we read, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. 
Therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. So the love of God is an everlasting love, a profound intention of goodwill toward all. In the prophet Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17 we read, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is, is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. So the great God rests in his purposeful love. And in Malachi chapter 1 and verse 2, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I love Jacob, and so forth. I have loved you, saith the Lord. So the great purposeful heart of love is the great monumental force of the movements of redemption, as we shall consider the New Testament scriptures in our next meeting. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, how thankful we are for the message that thou art a God of love and kindness, that in the very essence of thy being is a purposeful goodwill toward all, that thou hast not chosen any in any impartiality, but thou dost pour forth thy great love toward all. O oh, that many this day may repent of sin, and by the wooings of thy Spirit may come to the cross of Jesus by faith, obtain forgiveness full and free, and go on to serve thee in that happy, restored relationship. In Jesus' name our Savior, amen.